I'm so glad that you joined us today and you're here and that, uh, that uh, we're all connected in all these various ways. Um, and and I, I'm just grateful that we can set aside a time after, uh, you know, it's overdue, but we're having this special memorial service for all of our brothers and sisters who have died and are with Jesus now, we believe, 100% in our heart of hearts. And we're looking forward to seeing them one day. But in the meantime, we want to just re- reflect and have remembrances and just um, glorify God and honor their lives, especially since so many of them had so many impacts in our lives. And I, I just, I'm encouraged when I, when I think that last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. And Jesus is alive. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And Jesus is alive. Amen. Christ is risen. Oh, I can say that all year long and never gets old. And uh, he's alive, and I am just, this is so perfect, to, I mean, I think to do this now for us, because when we think about Christ's resurrection, I think of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you go back and you read Paul's words, and he spends a chapter talking about the resurrection and saying, there actually is one. It's not a waste of time to believe and to actually know that there's a physical resurrection. There is a resurrection of believers that will be with Jesus just as Christ was resurrected. And he goes and outlines all kinds of things if you read that chapter, because even what we're doing, the things we preach about Jesus and that he died and rose again and is alive and with it's all a waste of time there's no profit in even doing it if it's not the real deal he says that even our faith if we believe this on any level our faith is absolute utter it's just foolish to even say you believe that Jesus rose again if he didn't but he did he did. We heard the evidences last week in Pastor Dan's sermon. And, and if not only that, but then sin is in control and death has dominion. There's no hope there. And you know what? If Jesus did not rise again, here, here's, the, here's the deal. Even what we're doing today, remembering all our brothers and sisters and looking forward to the future, if he did not rise again, then the future is something that is to be feared But because we know, we have hope and confidence, and we have eternal life with Jesus and presence in His glorious presence, a future in His glorious presence forever, we can absolutely do what we're doing with confidence and joy, celebrating these lives and glorifying God in the process. Amen? And so that's why we do what we do. Jesus is risen. He's alive. We have hope. And we celebrate because we know this as fact and truth. It's reality. Amen? I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to come and open up with some comments, and then we'll proceed. Amen. Good morning. Just to echo on some of the thoughts that Pastor Bob was reciting, when we have a memorial service such as this, and we realize that we've just celebrated last week that he has risen, and we have, at, at worst, an intellectual understanding that if he arose, then we too must arise in a similar fashion. But having gone through the first service, which you're about to go through, and we highlight the life of these seven individuals, understanding that no life is perfect, and we're here to remember the good of them, but when you highlight the life of these individuals and you begin to realize how much Jesus impacted their lives, when you begin to realize just who they were in Christ, when you begin to realize just how they loved Jesus, then you have to say that what Paul's telling us, it's got to be true because what a waste of life to have done all of this for something that is nonsense and not real. But Jesus is real. And so when we left this morning just a few minutes ago, it was like, 
I have something to look forward to because they made it. And there's no doubt in my mind. Well, now I'm preaching, and I'm not supposed to do that. I, whenever I officiate at a funeral, I always quote Dr. Maya Angelou. Now, please, she is a renowned poet, civil rights for the most part. She bills herself as a Christian, and in many ways, I suppose she is, but it's not the Christianity that I brand myself with. I'm not endorsing the individual. I am endorsing the thoughts, just so you know, in case you happen to know her. Then she said this, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. It's so true. When we're going through this gallery of saints this morning, you're going to say, she made me feel loved. He made me feel respectable. She made me feel important. He made me feel, and on and on and on. Because that's what you remember. Or you're going to hear some stories about this or that. Some might be humorous, some might be serious. But the point is this. You're going to remember how they touched your heart. That's the legacy that they left. And they've taken that to heaven, and it'll give you more when you get on the other side. Amen? Amen. So we have, as I mentioned, our service is a little different today. So thank you for bearing with us and being patient as we go through this process. It's long overdue. And we are honoring seven individuals. So I encourage you to be patient. We want to give opportunity for you to share and uh, let you prepare yourselves as you see the two microphones on the end of the aisles here. And I'll give you instructions about that in a minute. But uh, we're going to start by singing an oldie but a goodie, one that we all love too. It's Amazing Grace. And all the songs that we're going to sing today are songs that were requested by those who have gone on to be with Jesus and they love them or, or we knew that they love these songs because of our interaction with them. So we're going to sing all these songs and they're all their requests as well. So let's sing together.
men. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. A couple of instructions as we begin to remember our brothers and sisters and have our moments of remembrances and sharing. We have two microphones at the end of the aisles, and you're free to share. I just have a few instructions. First one is, under no circumstances, should you touch the microphone, please do not touch the microphone or the stand. If you need adjustment, I will slide over and I'll make it taller or shorter or move it down. But don't touch the microphone, just with safety concerns, with COVID and all. Please do not touch the microphone. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to uh, well, be brief if you can. I know we have a lot of memories, but if you can, try to be brief and to the point. We've had a lot of people sharing in the first service as well, and so we want to make sure that we can kind of keep it going and give everyone a chance. Um, so I want to encourage you uh, to do that. So please um, do not uh, touch the microphones and, and be brief if, if you would. Amen. Um, our first remembrance is with our sister Jane Williams, and she should be um, of our sister Jane. Some of you may, may recall her. Jane was, um, had been attending here for, for a few years uh, before, of course, COVID uh, broke out, and she sat right where Caroline and Phil are sitting, but just over here toward the middle of the, the, the aisle. And if it wasn't there, it was on the other side in the same place. Now, Jane is, was a, a resident at, at the home down in Charlestown. There's a, a group home, and it's the, uh, they, they took care of all those with neurological uh, concerns and challenges there. Um, and she was there for quite a while. And she would be brought here by an assistant, now, I'm going to just share one thing and, and challenge you and encourage you with this. And I know we all have our challenges. We have kids and so on and so forth. But she's a great lesson in being punctual. She was always here at least 10 minutes before service started. And she was sitting there with her assistant, ready to go, ready to worship our Lord, our Savior, our King. Amen. And she, and she loved Jesus. And, and Judy will share about that in just a moment. But she loved the Lord, and, and she loved Him faithfully. Praise God. So being at the home with neurorestorative, um, when even her assistants came, they would all often, we'd have some, some discussion before service because they were early. And I'll just share one memory that I have. I have others, but we had this tradition or this game that we played all the time. And when I would come into the service and she would be here earlier, I would always joke with her and call her by a different name every Sunday. So instead of Jane, it might be Linda or whoever else it might be. And she would just kind of laugh. It made her laugh. And that was something we always did. And every once in a while, she would call me as someone else too. So we had this silly little thing that we had going on. But she was a faithful attender, loved Jesus. And I'll never forget... Uh, being with her before she died in January at the hospital and just reading scripture and seeing as she was laying there and all that pain from that horrible illness of cancer and just know that the word brought peace and comfort to her soul. It was powerful, powerful stuff. I'm going to ask Judy to come and she's going to share about our sister Jane. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Um, Jane died um, on January 7th, 2021. She was a refreshing drink of water to my heart. She and her assistant came 
uh, to our Bible study one day out of the blue during the time we were studying the book of Revelation in 2016. She sat down. She joined in the conversation and the discussion as if she had been there the whole time. And she came and labeled her my special angel. I didn't really think she was an angel, and later on I found out she wasn't. But she made a dramatic change in my life. Um, and then all of a sudden she, she, she went missing for a couple of years. And I thought, wow, Lord, you did send me an angel. And anyway, she came back on an Easter Sunday morning, and I was ecstatic. And I said, no, Lord, you do have special angels. Anyway, I, this time, I began to befriend her, and I found her wonderful company, a joy to be with. Uh, someone to pray with, and a definite blessing from God in my life. And this is when we began to talk of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that she had accepted Jesus into her heart and asked him to forgive her for her sins. And because of this confession of faith, I know I'm going to see her again in the next life. I learned from Jane that whenever we encounter strangers, especially in our family of God, but outside too, rather than ignore them and go out around them, embrace them. Because we never know when we're going to encounter an angel unaware that God has actually sent into our lives to build some character within which will bring glory to God's name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we receive ourselves from God. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. But I'm going to close with Hebrews 13, 2, that says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Farewell for now, my special angel. Farewell. I'll see you in heaven again. Mm-hmm. Watch the portal. Yep. <laughs>
You pull it and I'll pull. Anybody else have any memories of Jane? I know Jane was, she came here and then she had a tight schedule and she would leave right afterwards to get back to the group home. But if anybody has any thoughts or you, you had a relationship with her, please, the microphone is open. I'll give you a moment. Um, a lot of you may have seen her faces, but you didn't get to know her because she couldn't stick around on Sundays, and that was a challenge. But she was a blessing. She was a blessing. Judy didn't share. I will just share one thought. Judy didn't share more extensively, but and, she, and, and this is the truth, but Judy would spend a lot of time with Jane. She would take her out for lunch. They'd go shopping and do different things. And they'd spend hours together fellowshipping and helping her out, but also just uh, growing together in the Lord. So um, I know when we had a memorial service for her uh, after her death a few months ago, there was a handful of us that were together, and everyone that shared can affirm how much uh, and how deep that relationship, even those that were in the home, they saw the depth of Judy and Jane's relationship. And so we praise God for that. And we're so grateful that our connection to Jane was that strong through Judy. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What a blessing. What a blessing she was. And then we remember our brother, uh, Rob Lazat. Lazat. Brother Lazat. And, um, and I'm just, boy, brother, brother Bob was uh, an interesting, um, I don't want to say, that, sound, that always sounds negative, doesn't it? But it's not. He, he, was, he was a great guy, but he was tough, too. He had a toughness to him, and he, he kind of sometimes came across, you know, with this really, this, this wall up, and you had to kind of break through it, or he, and, but he was just a blessing to talk to once you got to know him. And let me just mention a couple things, and I'm going to read to you, most of you are familiar, you know, with her brother, Kevin Kenny, who uh, moved to Florida as well, and he's been there now for over four years, and um, he was helping out um, Bob at his home with his health, with other things in the house, driving him around, uh, taking care of our brother Bob. But, but Bob was a faithful attender here at New Hope Chapel before he left. He was here every week. It didn't matter. He was here every week. And not only was he here every week, but every once in a while I'd come into the church during the week or evenings, and all of a sudden I see him cleaning. And Ryan's shaking his head, yes. And he'd be here working away. He's helping Kevin, or even on his own sometimes, when Kevin couldn't because he was ill, he'd be filling in. And he's cleaning the bathrooms, and he's scrubbing, and he's doing what April does now, and he's cleaning the church up. And so it was amazing. One of the things about Bob that I remember is that he did struggle with his faith. Who hasn't? To some degree. But he had a struggle. He was back and forth and back and forth. And he's never, always just wondering. But I'm, I'm just encouraged because I want to share with you what Kevin Kenny, he sent me a statement and I'm going to read Kevin's words and I'm encouraged by what Kevin wrote and I'm blessed by what Kevin wrote. And this is, these are Kevin words from Kevin, Kevin Kenny from Florida. Bob Lazat was my friend, a good friend. He took care of me and all my needs when they arose. He had the gift of hospitality And he took me into his home where I lived for a number of years. Bob was always on the go. He was a hard worker. He ran a glass business in Central Falls, Rhode Island for over 50 years. He enjoyed working. He wanted to keep working after he retired. And so one day he went to visit the shop and started just answering the phone. Just walked in. He wasn't even, he just wasn't part of the staff. And he started telling customers how it was 
in the good old days and how it was supposed to work as far as a business in the glass industry. His daughter, Carrie, who owns the business, had to set him straight on how business works and runs now. Because he was still thinking back in the day. But Bob was proud of the business that he had built from nothing. He put his heart and his soul into it. In Florida, he had a friend whose name was Leo, who he would often take out to lunch and dinner. And this would be the highlight of his week because Bob didn't have too many friends when he moved in Florida, but this was a great relationship he had to encourage and to keep going. I'm glad that he had another friend to share his life with. He didn't have, as Kevin said, many friends. I'll miss his laughter and his tough exterior. I learned how to deal with him. For those of you who know know Kevin, well, they're kind of like two peas in a pod, I guess. Um, But most of all, Bob really was a loving man and a good friend. I asked him if he knew Jesus once he was sick. And we prayed together to receive him. He received Jesus into his heart. And I am happy to report that I'll see him later. With love, Kevin. That's encouraging for me. And I'm encouraged to hear that they had that time praying together and that they prayed for salvation and that God used Kevin. And so it's a blessing um, to, to have known Bob and the blessing he was to this body. All the behind the scenes he did, you never even, all the things he did, you didn't even know about, but he did and he helped out and he was here. So if anybody has any other thoughts or remembrances, the microphones are open. Please feel free to share. Don't be timid. It's okay. I have one little uh, memory of Bob, and, and that's um, that he, he came up to us, um, and he wanted to know how he could help Dave and I out. He just seemed very interested in what we were doing with um, missions. And I had a, a mirror that on an, an old piece of furniture that needed to be refinished. And I just remember Bob just being so excited to be able to take that and do his thing and, and get it taken care of for us. And he was just really concerned that he would do a good job and that we didn't, he hadn't forgotten us and he would make sure he brought it to us. And um, yeah, he just had that just a kindness about him. And uh, so that's just a, a memory that I have that I wanted to share. So it makes sense a little bit more to know Bob's background. I didn't, I didn't know about his glass business um, but when I would come and he would be cleaning, he pulled me aside one time and he taught me how to clean the glass. <laughs> and it was, it was a multi-step process. And he said, he, he, would, he was focusing on the front doors and he, and he said to me, he says, this is the first impression they have of the church. You can't have fingerprints. And after he would, you know, wash it with the wet, he would go and he would buff it with the dry so he could get it all. And it always impressed me that, you know, what people may not notice, he mm-hmm. took time to um to do right you know we're supposed to do everything as unto the lord and you know he dedicated himself to that and uh, i'm a detail person so i noticed the fingerprints so uh, (laughs) i appreciated that you gotta buff you gotta buff the glass amen this is really tiny but to add on to that that lovely coffee table we have out there in the in the uh Mm -hmm. 
He had the glass top made for it because it had to have a glass top. Amen. That's right. All right, Brother Nate. Let me, let me elevate this a little bit. Sorry. That's good enough. Oh, I've spent a lot of time with Bob, uh, who was a character. Oh, that's the kindest way to put it. Um, <laughs> he, he was one of the most generous, Man, what a heart he had uh, for everybody and everything. Um, And like they said, we're talking about the things he did behind the scenes. There were so many little things that he did that he never got credit for. Wasn't seeking it. He just did it because it was the next right thing to do. Um, When uh, the ministry Celebrate Recovery um, was going here, he was... Not only a participant, but he helped a lot behind the scenes. Um, he helped, you know, us be successful with it. Um, he had an amazing sense of humor. Uh, to be around Bob, you were going to use all your laugh muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember when he, his daughter forced him to go to Florida. He'd always gone there for winters. But uh, she kind of took the house away from him here and made him go down there. And it was one of the saddest times for me um, because he was such fun to hang out with. Uh, He, me, and Kevin did a lot together. And um, he's just an amazing guy. You know, and all I can say is he made everything fun and laughed. He went out to breakfast every morning at the Hungry Haven um, (laughs) and uh, blew his blood sugar for the day. (laughs) He was diabetic. I mean, the man was, uh, he was a walking nightmare when it came to medicine because he did the exact wrong thing every time and he never understood it. And um, when it came to his love for Jesus, I knew it was there. I knew he struggled with faith. But we had many conversations, and I'm sure I'll see him in heaven. You know, I'm absolutely positive um, because he did accept Christ. He did have his sins forgiven. Um, He never felt worthy of it. And I told him none of us are worthy of it. Um, It's a gift. Um, But... uh, to, to know Bob was to love him. If he, if he let you know him, which fortunately I was privileged to have that. Amen. Amen. Going once, going twice. Anyone else uh, have a thought or maybe about Bob? If not, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and sing. A, we're gonna sing a hymn, "The Old Rugged Cross," which was one of Jane's favorite hymns. And then we're gonna also sing "Your Love Is Deep," which was one of the, one of the favorites of. I love that old 
must I lay down? I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a Oh. 
It's contaminated. <laughs> I gave it the, the correct elbow. There you go. I find it kind of interesting because I would tease Teresa that um, <laughs> my daughter spelled her name the same way, but we pronounced it Teresa. So I would insist that she was mispronouncing it. And it's funny, she thought it was cute, but it's funny how I mentioned that this morning and Pastor Bob is now saying Teresa in confusion. <laughs> it must be the influence that we're having here. You know, Teresa was victim to that new hope attitude that possession is nine-tenths of the law. She sat on the second row in the second chair from the center aisle every single Sunday as if she owned that seat in fee simple absolute. You know, she, she, made, she made a lot of people feel peaceful. She certainly made me feel peaceful. I, I would sit and just listen to her as she prayed with her friends. And she prayed with such calmness and intensity, if you will. You can see the, 
the two going hand in hand, as if Jesus was actually present in that circle, in that conversation. So uh, there's no question in my mind that when she passed and she entered through the pearly gates and she met Jesus, he was not a stranger to her. Um, You know, she came. She came from a church that based her salvation on works. And she would tell me from time to time that she and her friends had to be reminded that it was salvation by faith and not works. And so she picked a scripture for her funeral, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For we are saved by grace, then not of ourselves, not by works, so that no one can boast, but by faith. I can tell you right now that Teresa has confirmed that for us. Amen? Teresa would come to Judy's Bible study, so I got to know her a bit through that. She was a joy. She had questions, and sometimes we'd run rabbit trails because she just was trying to comprehend the Word of God and the the truth of God in her own life. But she was a sweetie, and and she's missed. But um, I am blessed that, that... she influenced my life in that way. I don't hesitate to ask questions if you have any, any, yeah, I just don't quite get it, you know. Ask the questions. Uh, that's, that's how God will, uh, will reveal to you his truth. This is just one kind of cute little story. Uh, She was adopted, and she loved to tell the story over and over again how she was in a foster home, and her foster parents went to a home of their friends to have an evening of game playing. And uh, she took a shining to the husband of the the friends they went to see. And she crawled up in his lap, and she said, Would you like to have a little girl? (laughs) And, And he said... Yes, and he adopted her. So at three years of age, she picked her dad. And she always had a joke. She was always trying to make you laugh. I got, I I got to know Terry, too, through the Bible study. She needed a ride a lot of times because her husband would drop her off and pick her up, so I gave her a ride home because I lived near her. And she was a hot ticket, let me tell you. We went out to lunch a lot of times after Bible study, and her favorite place was the pizza place up on 165 going towards Coventry, and um, she moved here, and her husband, they built a house up on um, Kanach Road, and um, she didn't really like it much in the beginning, because her husband's brother had property, and that's how they bought the land, and so I think coming here really made her feel like she had a family here, so she was a great person, 
Don't be timid. But it's okay. We don't do this often, so uh, we want to we honor those and pray, man, so don't, don't hold back. But praise the Lord. I, I'm going to actually, at this moment, I'm going to, before we honor our next sister, we're, we're going to release our kids for Super Church. And so I want to ask if you're between the ages of 5 and 10, which if you would head out with Miss Wendy and Miss Michelle, you're going to have a grand old time. So if you would head out for Super Church, amen. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. And as we move to our, our sister, Jean Gagnon, who uh, uh, we lost uh, recently as well, we're going to, I, I will only share one thing. I have, I have many thoughts for all these, as, and I don't want to get going because you guys know me, but <laughs> the thing about Jean going way back uh, when I first came to the church, and, um, but even more recently, the past several years, one thing about Jean that I'm going to miss is that there were often times after first service she would run out after me into the parking lot or she would send me a text and she would always encourage me with either the message or just in general through the week, just in my following Jesus and my serving Jesus. And she was a great encourager for me and I miss that. I miss that a lot Um, because she would listen intently and take all her notes in her notebook and um, I'm just grateful for her encouragement because it really uh, it meant a lot and it kept me going, pushed me uh, forward. Amen? So I'm going to open up the microphones as we remember our sister Jean Gagnon. And if you would please take the liberty and feel free to take your mask down when you're by the microphone since nobody's touching them, okay? Amen. Good morning again. I'm, I'm paid to talk, so I get up every time. The reality is that Jean had a lot of adversity in her life, health issues and certainly relational issues. And in discussing on multiple times with her, she fully realized that uh, as long as she was following the word of God, as long as she was adhering to biblical principles, it didn't matter what other individuals were doing, especially if they were not following biblical principles. She held up very, very well with that formula. It's not a bad advice, you know. Watch your walk. Watch your attitude. Stay with Jesus and walk alongside with him. And it doesn't matter what the world does or doesn't do towards you. And... You know how some individuals, if you see them in nursing homes or they're in their deathbed, they almost seek permission to go for different reasons. Sometimes they have unresolved issues that still have to be dealt with here, and so they they don't want to go until those things are done. Well, in a minute I'll talk about the impact that she had in the nursing home, but she because we knew that there was a lot of issues with forgiveness in her mind over issues and matters that had happened to her with others, family and friends and, and individuals that she knew at work. And so she, she had to come to the realization that she had to forgive them. It was important to set her free to move on. And she came to that realization that she did have to forgive them 
but even one step beyond that. She came to the realization that she had to forgive herself for her shortcomings in dealing with other people. Now, the one thing that I, I, I didn't mention that this morning because we had other people here. We had Denise Spencer and we had uh, Kathy Bedard, both who were very active in that particular nursing home. And I was called, Denise Spencer was called, and of course Kathy Bedard was already there to pray and to, and to comfort Jean. And uh, I didn't, none of us realized what was happening while we were doing that, but we were actually impacting the employees in that nursing home. And Kathy Bedard this morning shared the fact that they would come up to her and they said, can we do that with her? And she said, of course. So some of them actually came in while the three of us were praying. And they just kind of, like they were going to church, you know. But one of the, one of the staff nurses, Kathy shared this morning, ex- relayed an experience that she was having with Jean, who was going all crazy because she, she just was not reacting very, very well. She was troubled. She was restless. She was not comforted. And the lady prayed with her. These aren't church people. These aren't Christians. As we Prayed with her, and she reported to Kathy after she prayed with her that calmed her down. So Jean Gagnon left with a positive note on her environment. She brought people unwittingly, perhaps, to Jesus. It's a seed. Nothing's wasted. I'm looking forward to a big renaissance, a big <laughs> revival in that, in that nursing home. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that Jack Gagnon is in heaven right now, wondering what all the fuss is about, wondering why she even hesitated in the slightest to wanting to be where she is. Amen? Amen. Jean and I have been friends for more than 30 years. Part of what brought us together was teenagers and cats. (laughs) And I just got my socks blown off because her daughter's here. And her daughter's going to be living here. And I can reconnect with her. And I pray that I will be able to influence Haley more now as an adult. But Jean and I had some good times. She was an encourager to me. She helped me out in some difficult times, and I helped her out in some difficult times. We just, the the Lord put us together as sisters, and for that I am, I'm eternally grateful, and I look forward to seeing my sister, because I know she's with our Savior. And when I heard that she had passed, I was just, because I know she was not, I knew she would be at peace at that point. And I was just, praise God, and I'm jealous. <laughs> I remember um, Jean, I guess how I would describe her, I guess how our interactions were. Um, as a go-getter, um, you kind of knew what she would, was thinking because she was, I think, 
very confident in what she was thinking, and so she would express that. So I appreciate that about her. Um, just an enthusiasm and just like go get, like, okay, let's do that now. All right, let's, okay, let's pray. Or just that enthusiasm. I really did appreciate um, that about her. And um, hopefully I can do that in some way myself, but I do, um, I will miss that. And I'm thankful for the time that I had with her um, here at this church. I kind of feel dumb, like, saying the same thing twice, but, <laughs> um, but um, Jean was my hug buddy. You know, when I would come to church, she would always give me a big hug. Um, I'd always give her a big hug. It'd kind of be like, settle in, you know. Um, and, you know, she, she did go through a lot of um, relationship issues and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, but she always kept giving. She always kept loving. She always kept pouring into other people. Um, you know, at one point she, uh, she took in the girl that's actually living with me now. Um, her name's Kiona, um, took her into her home as a, as a foster child and, and tried to give her some stable, um, environment. And I think that, you know, the, the fact that Kiona is where she is today is because of that love and that, um, caring that she poured into her. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that she would have the, you know, Kiona wouldn't have the idea of like, um, you know, how to care about people and how to have a relationship because her own um, family just didn't have that. Um, you know, um, Bob Lazat that um, you guys had talked about earlier, I never met the man. I, I didn't know anything about him. But, you know, I heard so many stories through Kiona, you know, the same kind of things that, you know, he poured into her and he ministered to her and, and cared about her. And those are, um, those are just memories that I have of somebody that I didn't even meet. Um, you know, I don't even know whether he was saved at that point, but he did, you know, he did love and, and care about other people. And, and Jean just, you know, she was always, um, always willing to listen to you. She was always willing to care about you. She was always willing to, um, hear what was going on in your life. Um, and I really appreciated that about her. Anyone else? Give me another chance. Before we uh, sing another song at the request of our sister Irene. If not, we'll sing In the Garden. And I would encourage you to join along and stand up for the song In the Garden as the praise team leads us. Amen. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God And he walks with me 
Amen. You may be seated again. Praise the Lord. Well, we come to the point in our service where we remember our sister Gloria Preeby. And we recall and we just praise God for her. And we remember, I, it was mentioned in the first service and I had, I have all these notes here and I've written things down about all these individuals in case none of you spoke, but I knew you would. And it was mentioned in first service and one of the thoughts I had, and I had written down, I didn't share in the first service because Deb beat me to it, but the praise team had discussed it on Friday night when they were practicing and it was simply this, it was that Gloria was somebody who prayed. And there was, for all the years, you would come in just any day, and she, would, she had a key in the alarm code to the building. You could come in, and she was right here praying, right here. And then later on, as she got a little weaker and was sick, she would meet with Diane and Rhoda, who spoke in the first service, and they would get together every Wednesday, every Wednesday, if there was nothing that prohibited them with their health or strength-wise, they were here and they would sit, Gloria would sit on that chair and, the, and Rhoda and Diane would sit here on this, this steps here and they would go through scripture, they would share life, they would pray for three hours most of the time, all morning, nine to noon. And oftentimes I would come out of the office and just join them and have conversation with them and pray with them. It was just a blessing. I want to share with you... Um, as we knew, uh, Pastor Mike, who was here, he, he has a statement he asked me to, to share. I asked him, actually, and he, he, he gave me a statement. <laughs> Mike, thanks for the statement. No. But I'm just going to read uh, what he sent me. Greetings, my brothers and sisters in Christ at New Hope Chapel. Sounds like the Apostle Paul writing an epistle. Um, <laughs> and anyway, thanks, Mike. Um, I appreciate the fact that the pastors have decided to have this memorial service for those who have passed during this time of COVID. I am well aware that speaking about those who have passed, like my mom, can come with sorrow. And it should, because they are missed. But for those who are Christian and die, it should also be a celebration, because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When I think of my mother, Gloria, I feel blessed in many ways. First of all, she was a great mom. If you knew her personally, which many of you did, you know that she was direct, truthful, caring, and had no problem with tough love. Amen. I know that God used her in many people's lives at New Hope to encourage and admonish. It is a blessing to know that she is with the Lord. When I think of when she came to Christ at 67 years of age, I am reminded of that scripture in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Like many, she had a tough upbringing. She had to deal with poverty and an alcoholic father for many years. She grew up surviving. I'm sorry, she grew up surviving, not living. And when she had children, she definitely let us know how much she loved us by her actions. Having said that, it was obvious that she still had hurts. 
unforgiveness and maybe even hatred for those who hurt her in her life. As many of us can relate, she was carrying baggage around, but then Jesus. When my mom met Jesus Christ, everything changed. The Lord began bringing to the surface those painful things that we lock away and pretend that they are not there. He was bringing to light the unforgiveness and hatred that had weighed her down for years. Jesus was doing a work in her and healing the open wounds. She began living for the Lord, not for selfish desires, and it showed. When she got saved, she had a hunger to know God more, to know his word more. She had a burning desire to serve Christ and preach the gospel. Those things that she feared, like dying or even leaving Rhode Island, went out the window. She immediately went to the Philippines to work in an orphanage for several months and then on to Israel to do the same. We both together experienced the supernatural power of God in physical healings, in emotional healings, and in the greatest healing, souls being saved. I'm blessed that I was able to witness the spiritual fruit that was displayed in my mom's life. I was blessed to see how much my mom loved the Lord and how she wanted to share that with others. She certainly took every opportunity to share Christ with the lost. Don't get me wrong. She still had struggles. She was still a work in progress, but she knew where to go with it all, her Savior and her Lord Jesus. When she died, I was rejoicing because I know where she is. There are so many things that I could share, but the greatest and most telling is that she is a child of God. I want to encourage those who are hearing this. Don't forget your first love, Jesus. Examine yourself today and see where your priorities lie. Is Jesus first? Is Jesus enough? Lastly, I want to give a special thanks to my sisters in the Lord, Rhoda and Diane, for being such great and caring friends to my mom. Love you guys, your brother in Christ. And that was from Mike. Oh, I have so many more memories. I, I, gotta, I gotta stop myself. But I'm gonna open the mic for anybody who wants to share memories. Remember, it's about Gloria. And I just might slip one in later. No doubt, Gloria was a straight shooter. Didn't have any problems letting people know what she had on her mind. And I never experienced even one moment where she was intimidated by an individual or circumstances. I'll just tell you one story. She's traveling down the highway or down one of the local roads. And a police car goes in pursuit, lights flashing and what have you. And I surmised that the police officer wasn't even aware there was anyone driving the car because you couldn't see her head beyond the, uh, the headrest. But he did pull her over, and he did see this elderly lady, and he said, Ma'am, do you have any idea how fast you were going? 
You are going 40 miles an hour. Do you have any idea what the speed limit is here? And he said, it's 25 miles an hour. And she turned to him and said, who does 25? I first met Gloria when I worked here at the office filling in for Kate when she went on maternity leave with Monty. And every day that she was here, she would come in and talk to me. And I always remember the ladies coming in and praying. And after that, we, we kind of were, fr- I guess you could say we were friends. She was always so friendly to me and always caring. And she would always, she was always giving me things. She was like, oh, somebody gave me this and it doesn't fit. Do you want it? Here's a coat. It doesn't fit. Do you want it? <laughs> she was, she did that for many years. And it was a blessing that she thought of me. And the last thing about her was the last Christmas that she was here. And I like to send out Christmas cards, and I do that. That's what I like to do. And I had sent her one. And we were at, I think we were at, I don't know, I guess it was the Christmas Eve service. And I was talking to Mike, and I said, your mom sent me a Christmas card. And she's like, he's like, really? I go, yeah, she sent me a Christmas card. And he's like, well, she must like you. I said, well, I like her. I sent her a Christmas card, too. And he goes, no, she doesn't like anyone. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that was true. But that's what he said, and it just made me laugh. And just this past week, I came across that Christmas card she sent me. And she was just a blessing to me. Oh, I can manage. Okay. Um, I love Gloria. Um, she was one of the few people that um, would come up to me, and I didn't know this about her childhood. We had a very similar childhood. Um, and I'm very, um, I don't know, I, I can be abrupt. And for some reason, I would come through the aisles. She would sit over there. And she would grab me and tell me that she loved me. And it would freak me out. Um, primarily because I didn't believe that I deserved it. And um, she would do it all the time. And it was really weird because with it, I could just sense like a huge gruffness about her. And that's why it freaked me out. I was like, why is she being so nice to me? It was um, suspicious. And because that's who I am. So like I suspected it. And then through the years, she would always do that. She would grab me. She would tell me she loved me. And she would just say, like, nice things to me, like how she liked me and she thought I was a great person. And I'm just like, I don't know where you're getting this. Um, And I feel like she could see into me a little bit. I think we shared something, you know, this gruffness about us or something. I don't know. I felt a kinship with her. I really did. And um, also the Christmas card thing, I... I got one from her, too, and Mike said the exact same thing. (laughs) But the last time we went to New Orleans, um, I found out that she had cancer again, and I lost it because I just loved her so much at that point. 
And I told Mike, and I said, this is horrible. And I don't know. I, he understood, but, you know, he had more time to deal with it, and I had just found out, and it was so shocking to me. And I wanted to go to her, but I heard that she wouldn't want people to come to her house. So I did pray for her a lot. I knew um, that God was going to take her, and I wasn't worried that she wasn't going to be with Jesus. I wasn't worried about that at all. In fact, I tried to jump in on their prayer group, and um, I actually said it to Rhoda at Stop and Shop one time when I saw her, and she shut me down and said, no, that's not for you. <laughs> she said, that's just for us. You can't come. And I was like, okay. Uh, but mostly I wanted to be close to her, you know, because she accepted me, and she was just so loving and um Despite the fact that she could be off-putting at some point, I respected that. She she did tell like it is, and I'm very similar. And uh, yeah, I just I just loved her. She was a wonderful person. Oh, well, Gloria and I go back a little bit further than even me being in this church. I didn't know really who she was, but. I had a little boy that was three years old, and we were going to a preschool. And every day we would, you know, get up and go, and I'd have Sarah in tow, and and Matt would be running in, and I would see this little, little um, lady, and she would have a little boy with her, and his name was Garrett. And, um, And so every day we would see each other, and she was just this little dynamo. And you could see this love she had for this child. And... So many years later, fast forward a few years, uh, probably six or eight years, we come to this church, and there's that little dynamo. She's sitting right there. And um, at that point, Matt was having some issues in my life and his life, and and so I could see that she was a woman of prayer. And um, I walked up to her one day after church. We hadn't been here very long. And I said, Gloria could you please pray for Matt and my family? And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, She said, you need to pray for that child. And was I convicted in my shoes that day? And she was right. I needed to pray for that child. And I know she prayed for that child too. So um, that's who Gloria was to me. She was this, this little bundle of energy who I respected deeply and loved. She loved deeply, even if she was a little gruff sometimes. I loved her. I think one thing that we can all be in agreement about, Gloria, is that she just loves Jesus. I mean, that just exuded out of her. And she had such a heart for missions and um, just a fond memory that I have of her is that when I would come in to pray once a week, again, faithfully, Gloria was right there. And um, as we were going through the transition to becoming missionaries in Haiti, she um, was such a just such a sister in Christ who came alongside and, and prayed and shared her knowledge of her doing her own missions. And um, she just loved to tell people the gospel message, and it was she was so passionate about it, and so she really encouraged me in that as well. Um, and I know at the end she started to feel a little frustrated that she wasn't able to do it as much because of where she was over at Kanachit. And so I encouraged her. I was like, Gloria, just keep doing what you've always been doing, but now do it with the people there. 
and I know she was a blessing to the people at Kanachit as well. Um, so just, just thankful and just want to say thank you to my sister uh, just for her love of Jesus and how she just was so passionate and shared that with the people that she knew and people that she didn't know. <laughs> So just real quick, I got the blessing of being here one day, and I got her all to myself. Um, and I came in, and I said, hey, Gloria, and we sat down, and we were talking, and she said, I had a dream about you, and I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and um, she just was so faithful to God, and God was faithful to her, and spoke to her, and gave her dreams, and gave her. So um, I just want to encourage everyone out there to just get deep with God and um, you can bless other people. I just, from being up here on the platform in, in a worship service, in a music service, and Gloria would sit there, she didn't sing much, I don't really remember ever seeing her actually singing, but you'd We'd start a song, and she'd be dropping on her knees at the altar. It was a song. I, I just, kind of a little flashback. That there's a song, and we go, I fall face down as your glory falls or shines around. And I could just see glow about Gloria because she just had it in with Jesus. She always, you know, she was right there praying. And I know she was praying for everybody. She prayed, you know, I'm sure. I can't, can't actually remember any specific time that she came and said, what can I pray for you for, sister? You know, but that was the kind of person she was. And I, I really do, you know, emulate, I would like to emulate her. And I, you know, I'm sure I don't, but I, you know, she just set a beautiful example for us in her faithfulness. Last call, and I'll ask uh, Paul Wiley. Hi. Um, I knew Gloria from prayer. Um, I would come up once a week and cut the lawn, and before I would go out, I would come in here. Gloria and I would sit down, we would talk about everything, about our dreams, about uh, what's going on in the world. Um, she just blessed my heart so much. She was my second mom. My mom passed away 12 years ago, and Gloria just picked right up. And she was just such a blessing to me, and I know she blessed everybody else. Thank you. about nine, ten years ago. She was one of the first people that I met. I was working at Stop and Shop, and um, she, I mean, Gloria always approached everybody to tell them about Jesus, and she started with me, and I was, oh, no, 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 I, I got this. Um, and I told her my version, which was I had gotten it by growing up Episcopalian, in studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses in jail. So I had a real bizarre belief system going on. 
And all she said to me, she said, I'd love to get together with you in a Bible. And when my friend Kevin tricked me into coming here, um, she's the person I saw. And I knew, I, it made me immediately feel comfortable, and I knew I was in the right place. Um, but I just loved her so much. The conversations that she's had with everybody, she had with me. I remember she'd sit right there, and if you came in here in the morning, she was always there, and you just sat down and you'd start talking. And uh, one thing I haven't heard anyone touch on with her is that she was uh, very confrontational with one of the things she's very proud of is when she was on a mission trip to Israel, that she had no fear of testifying and stuff on the streets to people when you could be arrested for it there. Um, and she told me stories about confronting evil with the power of Christ and always winning because that's how powerful Christ is. Um, and, you know, she just had fantastic stories. That it's very hard to me to fathom that she didn't come to Christ until she was 67 because she did so much in a condensed period of time. And my grief for Gloria has been long coming. Um, I, I knew she was dying. And like I said, she had that um, wish for people not to come visit and disturb her or whatever was going on. But to respect that, meant you had to start grieving because the relationship was over. Um, and the solace I got was knowing that we were both praying to Jesus and that I would see her again someday because this is a woman I'm certain is uh, in front of Christ as we speak. Time to time, if I would go out to pray with people or Pastor Mike and I, in the day we'd go out, and we, we and especially if there was a situation where we're dealing with what we was deemed based on the requests and things that we heard and, and activity going on where there was demonic activity, we would bring Gloria along, especially if there was a woman. We had to go visit a woman, and we've experienced on multiple occasions um, where you know, listen, I know we're Christians. But Satan's working, and there are demonic, there's demonic activity that happens, and we have the power of Christ and, and, and in us, and he's, he, he is the power. And in those moments when he chooses and we pray with people, things happen. And Gloria believed that and saw that. And we got to experience some things where you saw things physically moving that shouldn't be moving because there's spiritual warfare. And Gloria was all about the spiritual warfare. And God used her mightily. And I'll just say this one more thing because I could say a thousand things and be here till three in the afternoon and you're going to hate me. But listen, you know what? Um, if there's anything that we need to learn from Gloria is that we've got to people who pray. 
I'm not suggesting you don't. We've got to be praying people in this day and age with everything going on and Jesus is coming soon and we can't be ashamed of the gospel. If there's anything you take. And then on a lighter note, if there's anything I've learned today about Gloria, she liked two people in the world. Lania and Arian. We're going to sing There's just something about that name. Another one of Irene's favorite songs. seated again and move along as we get closer to the end of our memorial service here. Thank you for your patience and for your participation.
We are remembering our sister Irene Marshall at, the, at these moments. And I only have one thing I'm just going to leave, and then I'll ask Pastor Dan to come, and then I'll have the microphones are open again. But I, my, I have many memories, as a lot of you do too. But one of my most enjoyable times was when we got to, for two months in a row, before COVID shut everything down, and then Irene died shortly after, a couple months later, was to go with a group of individuals from this church to sing and to have communion together. It was just such a blessing to me. It was just, yeah, I could just hear us singing in there. Whether we sounded good or not, it's all good in the ears of Jesus. Amen. And so, praise the Lord. Pastor Dan. We talk about the gallery of saints that we have that we're celebrating life. Irene was well up there. And you talk about a prayer warrior. She had such conversations with the Lord that you just knew that they were so intimate. I'd love for her to close my Bible studies because she just prayed effortlessly. There's no doubt in my mind that when she walked into heaven, all she did was simply continue in a relationship with Jesus that had long ago started without missing a beat. And I'm looking at her picture. I think she was 95 years of age. And when you look, because a lot of women asked her, how is it you have dark hair? What do you use? Is it a rinse? or No. That was God that was in charge of that harvest on top of her head. That's natural color. Go figure. Well, let's talk a little bit about Irene. Today's her birthday. She was born on April the 11th, 19... Who cares about dates, right? She was well up there. And she came to the United States in 1963 of six siblings all daughters, and of the six, she was the only one not married. It seemed that the family had sort of decided that it was she who was going to be responsible for the care of the mother. And, you know, she had a full obituary. You can still get it online in the newspapers, so I don't want to talk about those kind of things. I did meet with Irene so we could develop and plan a, a funeral service, if you will, And I asked her a few questions. I I would ask her things like, do you miss never having been married? Do you miss not having any children? And she said, no, when I was younger, pre-salvation, she had many opportunities with a lot of men who were seeking her hand. And she said, but I didn't really find them acceptable. And after I found Jesus, they were certainly not acceptable. You know, she said, you know, I have everything I need and I have everything I want in Jesus. And she was. She was totally, totally content. And so in preparation for my meeting, she showed up with a list in her own hand of things that she wanted me to to do. I go, okay, let's start out with music. We sang two of them tonight. They were the first two on her list. There is something about that name. In the garden, 
Then I serve a risen Savior. What a friend we have in Jesus. Great is thy faithfulness. He touched me. Who is this King of glory? To God be the glory. I need you more. Amazing grace. How great thou art in your presence. I go, whoa. We're not going to have a concert. How about some scriptures? Okay. How about John 14, verses 1 to 6? Romans 8, 28 to 39. Isaiah 40, verses 25 to 31. John 11, 21 to 27. I said, whoa. How how long do you want this worship service to be? And then she said, and the message has to be a message that gets into hearts. Well, that's a challenge for Bob or I. In any event, she, I said, you simply want to have a, 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 a full worship service. She says, yes, I want a program in lieu of flowers. Amen? I'm sitting here listening to all the wonderful things she said about my pew buddies. I called them my pew buddies because we all sat together. And let me tell you, it's just like one word is love. The love they gave is just amazing. And I remember when my husband passed away. They said, Grace, come sit with us. So there I sat. And now I've lost my pew buddies. And, uh, but they're not forgotten. They've taught me so much. But mostly, love. husband worked for Paul, Irene's um, nephew-in-law, and um, so we get to know Irene. I, I love to come up um, after church and talk with her. We often talked about books we were reading or anything, but she was an oasis, uh, closer. Um, a flower garden, um, just a joy, and then learning about tea parties and being invited. And um, Kathy was there and another um, joyous lady. And um, I had no idea that I was about to come into um, quite a bunch of issues and problems in my own personal life. And um, that was the uh, moment of strength that... uh, um, and encouragement before um, all the problems came into my life. But, um, and Kathy was such an encouragement, and, um, and same with Irene. And uh, you prepare a table before me in Psalms 23. In the princes of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the homes of my Lord, uh, in the house of my Lord forever. And that is what Irene was. No matter where she was, the Lord followed her. And, and, that, and, and you saw that. She was just ministering. If she was in Kenochet, if she was in church, if she was in the nursing home, that is what you saw. And that was wonderful. I loved in the nursing home. I would, she, everybody followed her. You couldn't get a chance to get in there. I would try to figure out when was she not busy. Um, So I was like, oh, morning, early morning. So I would bring her tea early in the morning because I wanted to be able to chat with her alone and receive just the encouragement that I received just being with her and the stories and being around her was such a blessing, such an encouragement. Such a moment that you could, it was just a rainbow, a glorious time that I, I couldn't, it was such an uplifting moment to be with her. I couldn't believe what the, what the nursing home probably saw as everybody from the church was marching in there. <laughs> and so it was so wonderful, so wonderful, and what a blessing. And I know that when we were together and having the tea party, and what a great blessing that was. We shared about when we ha- I was at a funeral service for my uncle. I sat with my dad. My parents couldn't even sit together because they were so upset. And my dad saw my uncle, and he goes, what is it? What is life all about when it's all you do is live and then you pass away? And he, as he listened to the pastor, growled. Because he's not a man of many words. He goes, ur, as he listened to the words. And we shared and we talked about it. And Kathy was so kind to have given me a CD um, from a pastor who really had an encouraging salvation message. And I tried to get that CD to work, and it wouldn't work. And I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I want to be able to tell my dad something. And he said, share your story. And I was like, I've shared my testimony with my dad, and he didn't like it. And the Lord said, no, tell your testimony. And the Lord, I said, oh, okay. And it was, Dad, because of your love, because you showed me your love, I'm able to love God. And it's such an encouragement to see what, and my dad was able to hear that, and it's such an encouragement to see how much Kathy's love, Irene's love, and the way the church loves, that you can just pass on that love to other people. It's just been such a blessing. And Irene, I think, just blessed people because she was just so genuine. Such a loving person. And I know it took a while, but that was just who she was. She just, everywhere she was, she was able to spread love. Every one of us, you know, that, that knew Irene, knew everything, you know, about love, and, and, and that's what she called everyone. And, uh, but I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, my, my mother, Stacy's mother, you know, grandmothers to the girls, but Irene was too. She just, you know, the girls would had such a connection with her, and uh, 
you know, they, they would always be the ones to encourage us. We need to get to the nursing home because they wanted to see Miss Irene. And, and she just, you know, when we, when we filled the Christmas tree with all the ornaments that she gave to the girls and stuff, she was just such a part of their life. And it was, uh, you know, she was that, um, I just want to thank her publicly for the, for the grandmother that she was to the girls. So. We have to have a cute, funny little thing about Irene. Um, she uh, she had friends, Judy and, and Earl, and uh, Judy and and um, Irene taught uh, the children at a church that she went to before she came here. And Judy ran into one of the parents of the kids that they taught, and the lady was just saying how grateful she was that Irene and Judy taught her children. And um, Judy was struggling because she couldn't remember the lady's name. And uh, so in the ta- while talking, the lady said, one of the things that was always wonderful about Irene is she always remembered my name. And Judy thought, aha, my chance. So she said, so what did Irene call you? And she said, love. <laughs> and I thought, you know, Dan said earlier that we remember the feeling people gave us. She certainly gave us all the feeling that we were loved. And Teresa got up in first service and said, after you'd been with Irene and you walked away, you felt like you had been with God. Anyone else with Irene? We have one more brother to remember, but our sister Irene, anybody have any memories or thoughts they would like to share and encourage us with? I know we've been here a while. We don't do this often, right? We've never done this, actually. So we're, we're going to... Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, we're looking to our brother Gary Bowden now, remembering Brother Gary. And... I know we have a lot of thoughts and memories with Brother Gary, just like we do with Irene, because they've been here so long and had such an impact and influence on so many people. And I guess I feel like Abram felt in the first service, but uh, I'm looking at Sharon, my wife. She knows because after Gary died, I, she, she's heard me say this multiple times, but um, I've lost somebody that... Uh, yeah, I was very close to and I was able to have some very serious conversations with that I, quite frankly, can't have with anybody else at this point. And um, just the uh, wealth of information, knowledge, but even more than that, just the wisdom. And um, he was my brother that I could go to and confide in and talk about things that I, I honestly I couldn't talk with anybody else about. And especially over the past few years. And that's why it was hard for me personally, as with a lot of you. Why am I wearing this? Um, To be able to uh, just share and unload, frankly, and then to get his advice and wisdom with uh, personal things, but also just other things going on that was I'll never forget and I sorely miss right now because I could use it. That's all I got to say about that.
Catherine Bowden, his daughter, sent me a statement and is not able to be here, but I, I'm going to read what Catherine had written. She says, Hello, church family. What a beautiful spring morning to remember our brothers and sisters who returned to be with our Heavenly Father this past year. My mom, Gail, and I are saddened that we cannot join you in person due to COVID and family health conditions, but we are with you in spirit and watching online. I wanted to let you know how much my dad loved serving the Lord and New Hope Chapel. Seeing it grow from the little white chapel up the road over there on Route 3, you know, the Wood River Chapel, to a tremendous blessing in the community and beyond. It was always his great privilege to serve as an usher and welcome everyone into the church. I know that he was greatly esteemed for his kind demeanor, his dedication, and his intellect, and he will be sorely missed. Our family hopes to hold a future celebration of life ceremony, but in the meantime, we join you in honoring and remembering those we love and will one day see again. And it's signed from Catherine Bowden and her mother, Gail. Microphones are open. I'm going to ask if anybody has anything to share. Amen. We came to know Gary probably more than 40 years ago at New Life Assembly. And many of you here have that similar history. We ended up in this spot. Thank you, Jesus. It was wonderful. Gary was indeed an intellect. There's no question that he could cut through the issues and in very little time persuade you that his view was the correct one. Fifty years ago, I came across a definition of what a friend is. It goes something like this. A friend is one in whose counsel and understanding one can equally confide, and whose opinion we value at once for its justice and sincerity. That was Gary Bowden. A low-key, silent man with deep waters. Amen. Amen. I've spoken several times, but um, no one today has affected me more than Gary. As, as Dad said, you know, 40 years I was little, and I grew up around the Bowden family. And um, then we worked together at URI. You know, Gary was at URI for 43 years oversaw institutional research, um, all about the data. And I would interact with him a lot. And um, serving as an usher, we would get here early. And Gary would come over and say, how are things going at URI? And I'd say, oh, I got this project or this or that or this person is, you know. And he goes, how are you? You know, he would always focus back on, forget about the projects, forget about the, 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 the personalities that you're dealing with. How are you doing? And... And um, there was two people in my life, and I don't remember the, the gentleman from, from years back who used to always say, it's minor. It's minor. But uh, that was Gary. Cardinelli. Cardinelli, yeah. But um, Gary would always be the calm in the storm. Because those of you who know me, I'm good at making storms. You know, I would... <laughs> I ramp up fast. And uh, I worry. And uh, Gary would always have this 
calm. And he would always point out to me, having so many years at URI, I've been there far less than he had, that we're going to get through this problem, we're going to get through this project, we're going to get through this whatever. And, uh, and I think of him, there's two people that I have near my computer, pictures, Gary and Mr. Newman, Ron Newman, that you know, are just a, a calming that you know, it's going to be okay and to just put life in perspective. And I think of Gary often in my daily interactions at URI still. Uh, for that fact. Yeah, I think um, peaceful grace is a great way to express Gary just um, and his wisdom. Um, and just from a, a personal standpoint, uh, Dave and I actually got to know Gary even better after we left New Hope because uh, he approached us at one point and said, I don't know why, but God is telling me um, that I should offer my services to you for helping Haiti's orphans. I've never been to Haiti. I don't know anything about Haiti, but for some reason I'm supposed to be a part of your group. Um, and he was such a blessing to us uh, in so many ways. Um, and we got to know him on a more personal level, and, and he and I used to joke that uh, he was my, my grand frey, my big brother, and I was his little tisse, his little sister. Um, and we developed this personal friendship um, that was beautiful, um, and he was just such an encouragement to us in our ministry and uh, just as a person, and um, I'm just so grateful that we had the opportunity to get to know him that we did in those last few years, and so that was God's plan. Uh, was that Gary would come and be a part of our group so that we'd have a chance to get to know him. And I'm just very, very thankful for that. Amen. You know, there have been some of these people that I, I haven't really known, but I've learned a lot listening. And I think... The one thing that just keeps on my mind, and it's been on my mind the whole service, and you always say, Pastor Bob, you should have said it. You should have stood up and said it. <laughs> so I'm going to. And what I'm thinking is probably more to, the, to, our, to our people out there who are still at home and not coming to church and wondering, well, why do I need church? This is why we need church. Because you hear the, the, the testimonies of people about those who have passed. Well, you know what? There's some people that are still here that have got a lot to give. God gave you a gift. He's given to me a gift of someone. Maybe it's more than one. But he's given you and I a gift to draw alongside and get to know somebody. So if you haven't done it, do it. Look at the blessings we're missing by not making this. And, and the verse, and forgive me, I can't remember the, the reference. I think it's in Hebrews, but it's don't forsake 
the assembling of yourselves together. The world says, stay home. God says, come to my house. word that comes to mind to me when I think of Gary is dedication because he was here every week even when he didn't feel well and even right up toward the end he, he was here every Sunday and he came to Sunday school and he was ushering and I remember one Sunday I was sitting back there when he was standing by the door as an usher and he he was just breathing so heavily that I just felt there was that he might need some help. And so I said, Gary, are you, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just having trouble breathing. But he was here every Sunday dedicated to the Lord. All right, Corey. So I didn't really know him that well, but uh, on his last time ushering and handing out communion, I just remember him having a lot of trouble because I think it was his cancer and so he was just trying to do it, and he was struggling, and everyone came around trying to help him. And he said, no, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it with the power God gave me. And that touched me a lot at that time. Amen. Amen. Honor his passing. God bless you, JJ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We've been here a long time, I understand. We're going to sing a a medley of songs. I'm going to pray right now. And the praise team is going to lead us in these songs. If you can start exiting and we start singing, or you can hang out and you can join in with them, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to close this in prayer and encourage you to not forget our brothers and sisters. And instead, as we have heard, to emulate them in their love for Jesus and in their love for us and one another. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to remember, to recall our memories and how we've been touched by these individuals because of your presence, your spirit living in them. Lord, I pray that you would empower us, strengthen us, God, that we might be like them because they were like you. To you be all the glory and all the honor, Jesus. And we look forward to your coming, Lord Jesus. Not as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, of those who have no hope. But we are filled with hope and we're not ignorant of this fact that one day we will join them in the air to meet you, Lord Jesus, when you come for us. We praise you and thank you to be the, you be all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.